Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Penny C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, December 17, 2021, and this is the 7 a.m. meeting. Today we're reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 154. We are starting with the first paragraph, which begins, Bitterly discouraged, he found himself. We are reading through two paragraphs today, ending with, and would have a lonely weekend. So we will comment on both those paragraphs. The reference number for yesterday, Thursday, December 16th, two, two reference numbers, the 7 a.m. meeting yesterday, 18,250, 18250 and the 10 a.m. meeting 18251. The OA preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose is this. As OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I'm going to start by asking Adele R. to read the 12 steps for us. Good morning, Adele. Good morning. This is Adele R., gratefully recovered today. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Adele R. And now Nosa J will read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Nosa J from Texas, compulsive overeater. This is the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for your service. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Nosa J. And now, this is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, For readers, it's six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. So to share, you would press star one, which will unmute you. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 154, the first paragraph, starting with bitterly discouraged, he found himself. And we're going to read through two paragraphs, ending with, and would have a lonely weekend, and we will be commenting on both paragraphs. I'm going to ask Holland G. to start the reading for us. Good morning, Holland. Good morning, Penny. Thank you very, very much for your service today. I appreciate it. I'm Harlan G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater 
I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. Bitterly discouraged, he found himself in a strange place, discredited and almost broke, still physically weak and sober, but a few months. He saw that his predicament was dangerous. He wanted so much to talk with someone, but whom? One dismal afternoon, he paced a hotel lobby, wondering how his bill was to be paid. At one end of the room stood a glass-covered directory of local churches. Down the lobby, a door opened into an attractive bar. He could see the gay crowd inside. In there, he would find companionship and release. Unless he took some drinks, he might not have the courage to scrape up an acquaintance and would have a lonely weekend. Let's take a look at what we've just read here. You know, when I first looked at these paragraphs, I thought I was going to go on sort of a history sort of a situation because Bill is going to get sober on December the 14th, 1934. And in late March of 1935, just three and a half months after he gets sober, he is very, very discouraged because he's trying to sober up a lot of drunks and nobody seems to want to get sober. And he says to Lois Wilson in late March of 1934 that he's very discouraged, and she turns to him, and she changes the course of human history, and she says to him, but you're staying sober. And it hit him that through talking to these drunks, it was helping him stay sober for the first time in his adult life. He was sober, and he was happy about it. Now, he goes to see Dr. Silkworth in late March of 1934 at the, at the suggestion of Lois, and he says to Dr., why am I failing? And Silkworth says, I've heard about these shenanigans you're pulling out there in the Bowery and in, and in Greenwich Village, preaching to these drunks about God from a spiritual hilltop. And Silkworth says to them, Bill, just tell the drunks what I told you about the nature of alcoholism, that it's a physical allergy and a twist of the mind that compels them to drink and an allergy that ensures that once they do, they can't stop and that they're powerless and that you have a way of finding that power. He's going to try that out, but not yet. He's looking in this afternoon. He's looking in this lobby. It's Saturday May 11th, 1935, the proxy has gone down. But as I said, I decided not to talk about the history. I'm going to talk about the fact that this is a metaphor for every single one of us. Bill was very, very discouraged. And there was a bar in there. And it says here, unless he, unless he could take some drinks, he might not have the courage to scrape an acquaintance. Liquor was his solution throughout his whole life. It wasn't his problem. It was the solution to the problem. And one of the problems was fear. That rings true for me and probably every single one of us, that we have to hit that bottom. And what is the purpose of the chapter of Vision for You? A vision for use purpose is to let us see what life could be like without the food. That there is life, there is companionship, there is camaraderie, there is joy without the food. Because for many of us, when we were asked to give up the food, we were given up our lover, we were given up our best friend, we were given up our comfort. 
our little blankie was taken away from us and we were stripped clean of it and it made us uncomfortable. And Bill is going to find the next, that, excuse me, that day, Saturday, November 11th, he's going to contact Henrietta Cyberling. We're going to talk about that on Monday. And the rest is history, not only for Bill, but for all of us. And with that, I will pass. Thanks, Penny. Thank you so much, Holland G. And now before I take a list of names of people who would like to share on these two paragraphs, just a reminder that we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day, which means if you shared on Wednesday or Thursday on any of the Vision for You meetings, please just hold back and let others give their names. So with that, who would like to share on these paragraphs? TDG. Somebody G, say your first name, please. Charles H. Charles. Johan M. Katie G. Rick J. Joan. Penny, did you hear me? That was Katie G. I did. Oh, I'm sorry. Rick. Please excuse me. Rick J. Rick J. Okay. Okay, here's who I have so far. Somebody who's last initial. Julie E.B. Whose last initial was G, who gave her name first? Penny, that was me, Katie G. Oh, it was Katie that gave her name first, okay. Yeah, sorry about that. All right, then Charles H., Joanne, and then I can cross out Katie G here, Rick J., and Julie. Let's start with those um, folks. Katie, would you start for us, Katie G.? Hi, Penny. Sorry about that. Good morning, everyone. This is Katie G., a recovered compulsive eater in Boston. You know, it doesn't take me much. I'm not saying that, um, you know, Bill doesn't have a lot going on, but it doesn't take me much to be a self-pityaholic, um, you know, and, and this just shows me if my thinking gets so bad, if I get into the loneliness and the despair um, and the self-pity and the depression and the fear, eating is going to be a step up from me. The more I stay in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, the more I realize that really, again, um, the main problem centers in my mind. Like, I love that Bill says he could see the gay crowd inside. Like, I can get into delusional thinking that, you know, there's this happiness, there's this, you know, elusive thing outside of myself that's going to make me happy. Like, when I get married, when I get kids, when I'm not single, when I'm working, when I'm not working, you know, I just can fantasize that I will be happy when. And the truth is, when that day and time comes, you know, the book teaches me that no human power, that no human power that even if I get the wedding and the kids and everything else, that this is a God job. You know, for a long time, I have worshipped the big book. The big book is a treasure map, and the treasure map is a beautiful thing, right? But it leads me to God. And I fall short each and every day, but the whole purpose of this is to say, okay, God, I'm lonely. Please remove my loneliness. How can I be helpful? And the only thing 
that helps me is God and reconnecting with God because my thinking is all distorted and it's not and it's a sign that I'm not consciously connected with God. You know, and I'll just talk tell, close with this that you know, we drive around and we know that cops are out there, right? Conscious contact with God is like when I'm being pulled over. I know that God is right there. And God is my answer to my thinking. Thanks be to God for Belle that, that um, trudged through this day. And thanks be to God for all of us that can see that the main problem is in my thinking and that my job is to be entirely abstinent and to work these steps so I can get a relationship with God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. And now we're going to Charles H. Thank you very much, Penny. Penny for your thoughts and Nickel for your kiss. Darling, tell me you love me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, Charles H., uh, y'all know what it is. You know, I want to hit this from a, a, a tool-based angle. Um, this, to me, is the second most important phone call in program 12-step history. The tools are the banisters to the steps. Let me hit this. The first one is when um, is when Ebby called Bill. That's the most important call in any 12-step history. This is the second one. I love when he says that one end of the – it says it was a dismal afternoon. He was stressed out. Stress fell backwards in dessert. Anyway, sidebar, he paced the hotel lobby wondering how his bill was to be paid. Money, 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 money. At one end of the room stood a glass-covered directory of local churches. Yeah, we poo-poo on the church, but thank God for that church that day, right? In May, whatever whatever uh, my man said. He paced down the hotel lobby. He could see the grid. If it wasn't for that directory, and we're going to hear about it on Monday, that he was on thin ice. We poo-poo the tools. If it wasn't for the, the, the tool of the phone, there'd be no work in 10 steps. If it wasn't for the poo-poo of the, if it wasn't for the phone, there would be no vision for you phone meeting, which is a tool. If it wasn't for the tools, there wouldn't be a sponsor to work with other people, which is a tool. It's the banister to the steps. It's how the program developed, not back then, but now, right? We poo-poo the tool and talk about, yep, I'm working the steps. Well, in this time now, in, in the COVID era, how are you going to work the steps without somebody? Now, you know, I heard my man from, from, from Canada, I love him, say that you could work this program by yourself. Um, but for me, that's a lack of the second step. You know, we hear poop, people poo-pooing on a fellowship, right? The fellowship is mentioned 25% of the time in this chapter 11, a vision for you. I really don't drill down hard like this, but I'm going hard this morning. For that, for anybody that thinks you could do this by yourself, you are fooling yourself when you have a wealth of people on here that is willing to take your hand and, and work these steps via the tools like your hair is on fire. That's why I'm bald today, and I thank God for it. Thank you, Charles H. And, Johan, it's your turn. Hi, good morning, good day. My name is Johan Ann. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Sweden. Thank you so much for service today and for the shares. Amazing meeting, amazing, amazing paragraphs, as always. Uh, and 
Yeah, life before OA was all about the food. Food, food, food. And coming on to Christmas now, Christmas especially was all about the food. Uh, in Sweden, in Sweden we have big smorgasbord on Christmas. We have like big buffets with at least 20 or 25, 30 different uh, uh, things to eat. And everybody go out to restaurants and eat on these big buffets. And it's a, it's a whole thing. It's all about the food. And I was on a, a service assignment going to my local hospital here the other day for the detox day. And uh, I was passing one of these restaurants and I could hear, you know, the laughter. I could hear the music from inside. And uh, yeah, it took me back to how it was and how it used to be. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I turned back to, back to the truth, uh, knowing that, that that is not for me anymore, which is so relieving and freeing that that life is not for me anymore. Uh, the food, the food, the food is not the solution to my problems anymore. The, the steps are the solution to my problems. So I'm so grateful that I took a sponsor, worked through the steps and that I had a spiritual awakening. And the most important thing in my life isn't food anymore. Uh, so today I, I, I get to live in step 10, 11 and 12 to the best of my ability. And with that, uh, you know, I get, I get to to celebrate Christmas without all, all the thoughts of food and all the cravings, all the obsession. And I can enjoy Christmas. I can enjoy other things, you know, around Christmas, which are the important things, like the love message, the relations with others, the Christmas decorations, family and friends, the Christmas music, all that, because it's not about the food anymore. Uh, I'm so happy that I am in recovery, that I found these meetings uh, and you guys, and that I get to live uh, happy, joyous and free one day at a time without uh, using food as the solution to everything. And without that, I pause. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joanne. And um, Rick J., your turn. Good morning, Penny. Thank you for your service. My name is Rick J. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in North Carolina. And I, I see um, Bill standing at the turning point here, you know, and and I have this clear vision, you know, of that glass-covered directory of uh, local churches, and I see that door opening up into that that bar, and you know that uh, that's a big part of my life. My past, uh, you know, was was um, going into a bar, and um, you know, or going into the food. And and I see him there, and I was just really appreciating, you know, the the life of Bill and and that spiritual transformation, and you know, and as Charles mentioned, uh, you know, that connection with Abby, and I know that um, you know back then it was a six step program, and don't know Bill's mind and his past exactly, but. Um, you know, if he was working that step, that six-step program, you know, that complete uh, deflation, the dependence and guidance from a higher power, more inventory, the confession, the restitution, continued work with other alcoholics, you know, um, he was trying his absolute best, you know, and here he is at the turning point. And, 
you know, I, I really do appreciate and uh, empathize, you know, with these first thoughts that are flooding into him, you know, that's where I'm going to find relief. That's where I'm going to be able to, you know, to connect with people, you know, and there's this church directory, you know, and he's at that turning point and he's got a lot of old ideas there that are coming in as his first thoughts, you know, and we uh, beautifully have been able to, to find recovery because he, uh, you know, found that strength in his higher power and God did for him what he couldn't do for himself. You know, promises were coming true for Bill and, you know, when he got a second thought, he got a new idea, you know, at that point by working a six step program of action and, and we're working a 12 step program of action. Now and we have all these resources. We have the big book, which he didn't have then, you know, we have all these things at our disposal and yet here he was, you know, raw, you know, on the firing line and, you know, it was right there, right on that, that little moment, you know, where everything shifted and changed, but he was connecting to a power greater than himself and it changed the course of the world. And, you know, and that's what I do just today on a daily basis is, you know, I, uh, I keep turning to, to the God of my understanding because that's where recovery is. And I need new ideas. I need my second thoughts to lead me into new ideas lead me into a spiritual action and I'm just so grateful that that's where Bill was and that's what his connection with the higher power enabled him to do in that moment in time with that I pass thank you Rick J Uh, next I have Julie I believe that's who I heard and I don't have your initial of your last name hi this is Julie E.B. gratefully recovered in Colorado Springs You know, I just really um, appreciate this paragraph because one of the things for me is just thinking about why is it that I wouldn't go into situations, didn't believe I could meet other people without the food, you know. And uh, I discovered in working this program that inside, no matter what I look like outside, no matter what I uh, had as surface dressing in my life, inside I was still... That little 12-year-old girl was afraid to leave the bathroom stall who would just sit in there. I would wait till everyone left to even use the bathroom because I was painfully aware of every single thing, living my life from the outside in. And today I have freedom, you know, over four years, and uh, I'm living from the inside out. Inside now I have a sense that I'm safe uh, as someone on this line shared one time, God, I'm yours, and I trust you. Just me and my higher power, not anyone else, just me and my higher power. And so I have that place of safety to go. And, and, and that all came through the phone. I had sponsors that said, hey, I'm not calling you. You're going to call me. And, you know, one of the action steps I took to help me in my disease is to put down the food and become more and more willing to put down more things. But the other one was to make calls. Make calls, not nose crying, as our friend on this line says. Uh, because every time I did that, I said, I need help, I need help, I need help. And that was an action step against my agnostic belief that I could do this myself. Thanks for letting me share, and I pass. 
Thank you so much, Julie E.B. And I'm ready to take more names. Let me just remind us, everyone, that we are on page 154, beginning with the first paragraph, bitterly discouraged, he found himself. And we're reading through two paragraphs this morning and sharing on both. Who would like to uh, add your name to the list of sharers? Kathy C. Melissa W. I have a Kathy, Melinda, I think I heard. Yes. Melissa W. Melissa. Emma L. Judith S.P. Emma. Judith. Nancy J. And Nancy J. Let me see. We can take one or two more. All right, let's go with these folks. Um, I believe it's Melinda, Melissa, Emma, Judith, Nancy J. And please give me the um, initial of your last name and where you're from, please. Melinda? It's Melinda. Did I hear a Melinda? Okay, Melissa. Yeah. Hi. Can you? It's Melissa Linda W. Can you hear me? Go ahead. Oh, oh, excuse me, Linda. Why don't we take Linda? I thought it was Melinda. Okay, go ahead, Linda, and then you'll be next, Melissa. Thank you. Go ahead, Linda. Hi, everybody. It's Linda D. from Connecticut. I um, I'm almost stunned by the wisdom on this line. Well, that happens a lot. <laughs> um. I like the idea of um, the metaphor, but what am I going to do with it? This is where I find out what to do with it. I do live now. I do live um, from the inside out. I don't wake up that way. I wake up human, confused, with an opinion. None of that's going to work. Now I know, turn to God. God is right where I am, no guessing around right where I am, and I ask, what do you want me to do next? And sometime I hear something unusual like, be quiet. I heard that today, and I did that today, and then I felt connected, and then I knew to turn to you because I need help. I need to give it. I need to receive it. Some of it comes from people. Some of it comes from the inside. It's always there, but I can't always hear it. This is a program about love, and it works, and it's astounding. And I'd never want to go back where I was, which was dead and walking. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Linda D. And next we have Melissa. Morning, everyone. Hi, it's Melissa W. So grateful to be abstinent um, and recovering here in New York today. And I really like the Melissa Linda mashup. Awesome. Um, what I hear here is just I have the choice to turn right and um, have freedom, or the choice to turn left and um, and um, and be in the food. But you know, in the beginning of the book, I know that I've lost the power of choice, and and how do I have that? Is um, 
you know, is God. May you find him now. But here's my problem, right, is that I came into this program about eight months ago, and um, I worked these steps. I got abstinent, and um, I worshipped that abstinence. I worshipped my digital scale. I clung to this fellowship. I did all the work. I did everything I was supposed to do, except, except I was like, hmm, I don't know, that God thing. I don't know about that God thing. Because the only thing is, the only thing on page 58, it says the only thing I need is the capacity to be honest. And like, you know, I'm sort of gaming the system. Well, what if I, um, if I switch out these foods, then this has a bit fewer calories than the other thing, right? And so I'm like just trying to be a little bit thinner. Well, I'm not even trusting God with my weight then, am I? Or, you know, I, with those little moments of dishonesty, then like how am I supposed to trust God with the big things if I'm not trusting God with the little things? And so. You know, then I'm starting to say like, oh, well, you know, I'm really, the food thoughts are still here and everyone's like, oh, it's okay. You know, they say sell them or there's an issue. So maybe I'll let go of this food. Well, here's the issue with that, you know, then food is still my solution, which it was for years. Food was my problem and food is my solution. And so you know what happens with all of that this weekend, um, last weekend, I, I relapsed greatest gift that ever happened to me thank you god i have three days of abstinence today but thank you god even more that i saw and witnessed what it really feels like this weekend to be swallowed whole by the food i felt that powerlessness and yes it was progressive yes i lived in a series of i nevers it felt like being held under in the ocean. I thought that binge was over, started Friday night, thought it was over Saturday morning. No, it wasn't, it wasn't finished with me. It wasn't finished with me. And so thank you, God. Thank you, God, I'm back on this line. Thank you, God, I'm back in the steps. But like this, this program for me, you know, it took me eight months to realize, no, I can't worship my abstinence. I can't worship. It can't be about my body. It's a God program. And I was in these books, and somehow I always think, like, maybe I'm illiterate. Thank you so much. But I have, to, I have to worship God and only God and nothing before that. So thank you so much to all of you for being on this line, walking this journey with me. Thank you, Melissa W. And I think I skipped over Kathy. Is there a Kathy who wanted to share? Yes, I did put my name out. Okay, go ahead, Kathy. Oh, thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Kathy C. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Montreal, Canada. So, love this share this morning. Fantastic. Um, you know, this reminds me of how I how I could have gotten myself back into into the food, right? The belief that I need to find companionship, I need release, because that was me looking for ease and comfort. I was under the illusion again that I needed just a little bit or it would be just for today. Like I couldn't tell the truth from the false. Uh, this is why I needed spiritual help to get out of self-pity. 
because nothing will give me release. The truth is, food never relieved me. I thought it did, maybe in my head. I started to feel relaxed, that it was going to be okay, that I just need a little bit, and I said the word courage here, right? So courage, uh, there's a fear there. There's that base of fear that kept me discouraged, that kept me hopeless, and I thought the food, you know, I really hoped. I really turned to the food for a little bit, um, but I didn't do it on purpose. It led me there. I didn't choose to think like that. That's where my thinking was. And I would beat myself up saying, why did you choose again? How did you choose? You know better. And, 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 and what happened, right, when we're baffled? And, and we're told that we don't have mental defense. That's what that looks like. And that's what powerlessness looks like. I don't have the power to remember. So now being recovered, I could have those crazy ideas of say, oh, that would be nice. And then I'm like, nah. One piece will never do it, and you're going to feel miserable, and it's awful. Now I can see I'm returning to sanity, just like the program promises. I am conscious now because I am in the presence of a higher power. Because on my power alone, I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to go down back into those beat devilments, and I won't even know what's happening like I'm being hijacked. So here, you know, I need the fellowship. I need to be of service. I need the meetings. I need to be accountable for my life today. And the foundation is God. Nothing starts, nothing can ever be done if I don't have that power showing me, being with me. Because the only relief I will ever get is really with a higher power. Because the food, there's no relief there. That's a big, fat lie. Can't play God. Can't play God either, thinking I have to do this. Um, yeah, so I'm just going to end it there. Thank you, everybody. Have a great weekend. I pass. Thank you, Kathy C. Um, and next we have Emma. Hi, everyone. Emma, Emma L. here. Can you hear me? Yes, <clears throat> can hear you. Great. Um, recovered compulsive eater, bulimic. From London, and that's the first time I've said that I'm recovered out loud on a meeting, so I'm feeling quite excited about that. Um, having just gone through the steps with my um, sponsor over the last couple of months, I'm so grateful to be here, and I really appreciate the sharing today and the reflection on just how important or not important, vital it is to have that higher power in our lives and. You know, I've had 13 years in the rooms not getting recovered, not even getting close to it, thinking I was close to it because I had abstinence. I had some days, at times I had some years, but I didn't ever have that higher power. And it was a really lonely place. And I'm reflecting on the notion of kind of just being at that turning point. And there have been times when I thought, I was still at the turning point, you know, and I turned away from the food and I and I turned into recovery. I leaned into recovery. And yet all I did was pick up another food plan and I was just turning back into the food. I just didn't know it. Um, and I've really been shown a different way these last few weeks. And it has been beautiful. You know, it not only has it got me to this recovered state, which is something I've wanted more than anything for such a long time, 
but to finally have a higher power in my life it you know I no longer operate from a place of extreme loneliness I may start my day waking up and I'm in the fear and it's been really interesting to kind of clock that that I almost every morning wake up and I have to kind of make plug plug right back in and make that connection with my higher power to ease that fear um that exists in me but when I do that I am just filled with such love and that's really been the sort of the the great learning for me that there are that just those two states there's fear or there's love and I think of love as my higher power as my God um so I'm just I'm great. I'm grateful that I was finally given the proper, the proper solution, the proper guidance to get me here. And that was to follow the spiritual program of recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Emma L. And um, next we have Judith. Hi. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Penny, for your service. My name is Judith S.P. in Maryland, gratefully recovered this day. Thank you, God. Um, I, I keep getting <clears throat> in my mind um, the short little phrase prior to these two paragraphs, which says, um, we'll get a glimpse into the future, into my future. And uh, Bill is another fellow. Uh, on the journey. He he walked the journey until he wasn't here anymore physically. Now, this book is alive with his and the 100 with him. Their spirit continues to enliven this book. And I'm so grateful that we break it down paragraph by paragraph because there's so much power in the, these words. It's not just a novel or a textbook or something where you just read through it. And I, in my life, oh, I mean, have had so many times I've been discouraged. You know, failed relationships, jobs I wasn't satisfied with, um, looking at my anger and my abusiveness in terms of frustration with other people. I could go on and on, but need not do that. What I know is that every day I am physically, mentally, emotionally, and primarily spiritually open. I'm fragile every day. And Bill was fragile, but he had enough strength, he had enough recovery that he was able to be led by his higher power to that choice I make every day. Do I want to go with my recovery and do the work of the day, or do I want to go back into my disease? The comfort and ease that he thought was in the bar is what I was drawn to with the food, and it never, never gave me comfort, and it never gave me ease. There was a momentary feeling of satisfaction, but it melted away so quickly, and then I was in discomfort agitation, doubt, and frustration. And it was all about Judith. What's Judith going to do? How's Judith going to get out of the hole? 
and I see so clearly there were two glass doors. So it was easy to look into each one. One was a directory, which is our fellowship and, and all us fellows here, and the other is the food. I can look in the window of a grocery store or a convenience store. I know what's there. But my question to myself is, which choice am I going to make every moment of every day? This is the day I have. Thank you, God. Thank you all for your shares. It's amazingly uh, nurturing. And with that, I will pass and have a beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you, Judith S.P. Nancy J., it's your turn. Thank you so much, Penny. Uh, These are the most wonderful paragraphs, the way they describe Bill's situation. And, you know, reading it word for word, the way he describes the bar as an attractive bar. And I think we all know that feeling when you look at something connected with food, and it's attractive. It's, it's, that's such a powerful word that there's something in us that's responding. And, and we know what that response is. We, we want our addictive substance or our addictive behavior, whatever it might be. And, you know, I think of myself being put into this situation far from home. And, you know, back then they didn't have cell phones. And they didn't even seem to call each other on any kind of phone. They had, uh, they were, they wrote letters. And, uh, and then what do you do when you're lonely in a situation like this? Well, in today's world, you could call someone, you have meetings, you, but he was so alone there. He, he was so alone. And, and I'm thinking about him being in Akron, Ohio. Uh, how long had it been? Since he worked with somebody when he was back in New York, from what I understand, he, he even though he wasn't successful, he was working with people, trying to find people. Well, did he have any opportunity to do that when he was in Akron up until now? Probably not. So you think of me, I'm thinking of myself so far from this fellowship, so far from meetings, not being able to talk to anybody, not a friend, not a sponsor, nobody. And in this terrible situation where it says he is in a strange place, discouraged, bitterly, discredited, almost broke, physically weak, uh, what do you do? He did something that was so remarkable. And I asked myself, well, how could he do it? How could he, how could he take that very strong, brave action in his terrible condition? It's because of all the actions he had taken prior to coming to Akron, months and months of working with people, even though they weren't successful, it built up something, a connection in him and his God. And it it gave him everything that we need to have to stay connected. And so now when he needed it, he had the strength to make this very remarkable action of calling up strangers instead of going into that attractive bar. That's, that's why we stay so connected uh, all the time, because we never know we're going to need that strength to help us. And it, it doesn't come in a moment. It comes in the whole way of life that you're doing day after day after day. 
it's building up something in you. It's building up a strength. And I'm so grateful. This meeting is a beautiful example of that. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy J. And now we have time for um, at least one more person. Let me just take one, and we'll see what we have after that. Davalin E. Davalin. Is it Davalin? Yes, Davalin. Okay, go ahead, Davalin. Thank you very much, Penny. My name is Davlin E, and I am living for today gratefully and joyfully in recovery in Manitoba, Canada. These two paragraphs where Bill is out of his element, discouraged, lonely, reminded me of a retreat I went to a few years ago, and I had forgotten the wisdom that this woman who gave the OA retreat said to me, when I am irritable and restless and discontented, I need to get my head out of my ass. I need to think about somebody besides Davalin. And that's what these paragraphs remind me of. And it's such a beautiful reminder because I'm heading into a couple of weeks where I'm not at home, where I'm out of my element, where my regular supports are not there. And when I feel lonely, discouraged, helpless, I need to get my head out of my ass. And one more thing, and I've just been gifted with a new sponsor in OA, and that person reminded me that I have to want God more than I want food or anything else. So those are my gifts to carry into this tough season. Thank you for listening, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Davlin E. So that leaves time for yet another person. One more person. Shanna C. Is it Janice? Shanna. Shanna. Shanna, go ahead. Good morning. This is Shanna C. Grateful, re- gratefully recovered from East Tennessee. Um, one thing that just jumps out at me, I'll share real quick, is... Um, in there where he says that he would find companionship and release. You know, um, my whole life, that's all I've really wanted. I just wanted free from boredom and care and worry, and I wanted to be able to connect to other people. But over the course of time, I, I adopted the belief that that was absolutely impossible. In fact, it is impossible for someone like me um, because I'm one that's selfish and self-centered to the extreme. And when I walk into a room, even though there are people that I love, the first thought that comes into my head is, oh, God, <laughs> people, um, <clears throat> what do they think about me? Um, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? That's, that's, the, that's the, the self-centered nature in me that runs along the same vein as the God-centered nature uh, that uh, through the God's grace and these steps, um, I'm able to, 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 you know, to tap into that instead of living in that other vein of oh god you know these people those thoughts do come those fears do come where it used to is okay where's the food you know where i need something to make me feel better so that i can tolerate these people even though i desperately want to be have companionship and i want the release i just don't know how and so over the course of time i adopted the belief well you know what people just suck <laughs> and you know and then the resentment and, and then my mind problem always centers in my mind my mind continues to give reason why these people 
uh, why I shouldn't fellowship with these people. You know, they don't care about me and they did it, whatever, you know. Um, and so years of that is that build up of resentment and fear. I've justified every fear. I've justified every resentment and and unable to form a true partnership with another human being um, until until now. Um, thank God. Uh, thank God, Bill W. did this. I would, I, if it wasn't for Bill, I wouldn't be here today. I just, I just absolutely would not. And I'm so amazed at, 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 at the, the intuitive thought that came. Um, you know, uh, with a shiver, he turned away and walked down the lobby to the church directory. You know, and um, those thoughts of other people started coming in. What about his responsibilities, his family, and the men who would die? Because uh, they would not know how to get well. And yes, those other alcoholics. You know, and um, he, he, his sanity returned, and he thanked God. And then it all, you know, it's history from there, and I'm gr- grateful to be a part of it. And um, I swear, had it not been for someone on this line who was willing to share her story, that day that I made that call in desperate need, had she not been available, I don't know where I would be today. And I'm grateful for her carrying the message to be. Thanks so much. That's all I have. Thank you, Shanna C. And we're going to end our sharing right there. Thank you to everyone who shared today and everyone who just uh, was present. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today, Friday, December 17th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, 18,259, I'm now going to ask, just a second, going to ask Marge O to read the selection on page 164 for us. Good morning, Marge O. Gratefully. Covered in Massachusetts. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit yourself to him, I'm sorry, admit your faults to him and to your fellow. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the spirit, in the fellowship of the spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May bless, God bless you and keep you until then.